Hello and welcome to Oh Mother Where Art Thou, the Barcelona-based podcast about life as a parent, what we do for fun and where to go for help. I'm Lucy, I'm your host and I am really excited to say this is episode one. Coming up, I have Amelia Hunter from Baby Sleep Solutions. In this episode, Amelia tells us what's important for babies and children's sleep. I ask her your questions about real sleep problems and we chat about being a mum, her pregnancies and her births. For any more information or if you want to contact me, go straight to omotherbarcelona.com. So here's the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Amelia Hunter is a mother to two gorgeous girls, an Aussie married to a Catalan, a sleep consultant and hero to many families. Before we get started properly, Amelia, can you tell me what is a baby sleep consultant? Um, a hero? Yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, somebody who basically finds solutions for baby sleep habits and guides parents and gets them to help their baby sleep independently. Eventually, once the baby turns into an independent sleeper, then everybody gets to sleep lots of hours. What does independent sleeper mean? It means that you can do a routine or a ritual with the child, give her a kiss or him a kiss and leave the room basically and they fall asleep by themselves. And that's kind of like the objective of wow. saying goodnight to your kids when you don't have to be there for hours, bouncing them to sleep. <laughs> So how did you get into the business? Thanks to my first daughter, who was not a great sleeper at the beginning. And I've obviously, as an Aussie, knew about the idea of a sleep consultant. So when we had problems with her, I just looked for a sleep consultant based in Spain and I didn't find anything. Is that a big thing in Australia? It's quite common, yeah. yeah. Um, and we also have a clinic like a sleep clinic that you can go with your whole family oh, wow. and you, well, your baby and your husband if you want. And they have midwives and lactation consultants and coaches, sleep coaches, and they teach you how to get your baby to sleep well. And there's a waiting list for like months to get into the sleep clinic. Why, um, do, you think, why do you think it's popular in Australia? I think it's popular all over the world now in general <laughs> because everybody needs to sleep. And do you think it's changed because we're not the culture our culture now is not such a tight family that gives you so much advice or do you think I think there's a big kind of wave of anxious parents that don't Ah. really have a lot of time because they're working you know they're like focused on you know work running around trying to get everything done or being a good parent or just having an activity every day and (laughs) all of those things that we're trying to do to be perfect exactly it's it's distracting from perhaps the most important thing certainly for us Mm. I've noticed the most important thing has been sleep Tell me about your kids. I have two girls. Maya's now four and Olivia's just turned one. And they're really, yeah, they're really fun kids. They're trilingual, which is amazing. Really? Already? So that's Maya, obviously. Maya is completely trilingual. She can speak all three languages without any problem. Wow. Um, Does your partner speak Catalan to them at home? Yeah. And then Spanish at at school. I speak English at home. It's majority, like the majority is English at home because I speak English with my husband Mm -hmm. most of the time. So I think at home it's you know their mother tongue is you know English English. like uh, like in my house yeah so does Maya go to a Spanish school did you say so she's now in a trilingual school Mm -hmm. so she's got a British teacher actually from Brighton um and then she's got the Catalan teacher and the Spanish teacher in La Farga in San Cugat oh nice yeah so is that is that where you live 
That's where we live. Yeah, yeah. It's like we left Barcelona a couple of years ago when Maya was one. Mm-hmm. And Barcelona we, city. Yes, mm-hmm. we were in Gracia, Lovely. which I loved living in Gracia. But then once we had kids, we thought we need a change and more greenery and parks and and all of that nature. is in San Cugat. Oh yeah, totally. It's full of young families, which is amazing. It's got loads of parks. And it's just a bit different to, you know, the middle of Gracia where we lived before, which was great when we were young and single. And now we're just old and parents and we don't even leave the house basically, <laughs> after seven. No, I know that vibe. <laughs> the evening thing is definitely something that I hadn't even really considered before mm. I had children. Mm. I did about 10 years of crazy partying. But once I came to Barcelona, I kind of toned that down mm. quite a lot. And I mean, we still went out at the weekends, but... Day in, day out, you know, we had a chilled evenings at home. So when I had a baby, it wasn't my top concern. Mm. But then as soon as you can't, you start to really notice yeah. that it's not there. Totally. <laughs> that you're completely tied to the house and you can't go out. So we used you mm. when Oscar was five and a half months, mm. more or less. Because he was sleeping... Well, he wasn't sleeping. He was feeding throughout the night. He was feeding pretty much every hour or two hours. Yeah. And then not breastfeeding mm. through the day, which mm. was really strange. He just he started on solids. Food cycle. Yeah, he just started on solids. Mm. And it was like, whoa, if I can have solids in the day, why on earth would I stop what I'm doing to, sta- to stare at mummy's boobie? Yeah. Other people like them, but mm. not my children. <laughs> <laughs> and so when, I, when it had been about, I don't know, 10, 14 days of, of consistent up all night up all day for me I just said enough's enough mm. I can't keep doing this and I'd been trying so many different methods I pretty much tried a different method every day yeah. and That's I think that was probably one of the biggest <laughs> problems <laughs> yeah. you were never consistent yeah no I know and it was because you know you think it's going to work the first night yeah. and you really well, have so much confidence yeah. in one belief and mm. then it doesn't change anything mm. or you can't handle mm. the way that it's playing out you that's know? one of the problems nowadays with like instant success everyone mm. wants it to happen overnight and it doesn't you need to give them time to learn and to be patient with them and it's there's so much contradicting advice isn't there like, it really is. i remember i remember reading one thing that said he should be on a four-hour routine mm. and he was something like five months mm. and i was thinking four-hour routine what he's meant to eat every four hours mm. Well, <laughs> how is that even, yeah. even possible? Because yeah. he's, he's either not eating in the day mm. and then eating all night. Yeah. or But I think for me, it was definitely a little bit easier <clears throat> with you because I had the knowledge that he could go without breast milk mm. for quite a long time yeah. in the day. So yeah, I was, and, and I knew that what mm. was happening was unhealthy. Mm. So I was willing to swap them, you yeah. know, and, and to mm. do some work to try and mm. switch day for night. Mm. And um, but I think you also reached those levels of desperation a little bit earlier than a lot of people. A mm. lot of people tend to stick it out for a lot longer and just be like, oh, we'll just mm. deal with it and whatever. Yeah, I'm definitely but a fixer. Me too. And <laughs> no, no, with Maya as well, I got to about five months and I was like, this is insane. Like, I need to sleep and I want eight hours. I don't care if I'm a new mum. Like, I yeah. need to sleep eight hours yeah, and yeah. that's just me. I do think that if it's not a problem, mm. you don't need to fix it. Yeah. If it's not, if one of you isn't mm. def- isn't desperate, yeah. you don't need to do it. Yeah. If you're enjoying yeah. co-sleeping, feeding mm. through the night, yeah. and no one's bothered mm. by it, mm. then mm. that's fine. I yeah. just couldn't per- personally, mm. and it, I really needed to fix. Yeah. No, that's what I say to most of my clients. I, you know, I have the first um, initial kind of discussion with them about what their objectives are. Fragmented sleep is really unhealthy 
for everybody and especially little kids like they are capable of sleeping quite well they don't have to be waking up every hour um and so you know we try to talk about like what the objectives are or you know why this situation is not kind of sustainable for a long time Mm. um but yeah you definitely have to be ready yeah yeah and want it and otherwise it's difficult it was it was difficult for me with sam for example Mm. because i wanted to do it Mm. but i wasn't really didn't really need to yeah and so i so i put it off Mm. you know until i did need to until he wasn't happy sleeping anymore and i and i decided Mm. that we would we would Mm. encourage him to do it the best way yeah i did that even with my second daughter because you know she was born right before the summer and we were traveling a lot during the summer and so we didn't have a really strict bedtime schedule or routine or place where she slept or anything and i just knew that i could fix it later Mm. so it didn't bother me Mm. and and because she's probably going to be my last baby i just kind of enjoyed those cuddles and breastfeeding through the night and all of that stuff because Mm. I knew come six months that I wouldn't be able to handle it anymore it's funny because I used to feel quite once Oscar started sleeping thanks to you (laughs) I used to feel quite almost embarrassed to talk about it Mm. with other mums there's a lot of stigma attached to sleep training for little kids well it was not just the sleep training as much as I felt like I had needed help yeah and that was a big thing for me I wanted to seem like Mm. I was totally capable. Mm. You know, now I truly value experts. Mm. And that's why I'm doing this podcast as well, Mm. is to get everyone to Mm. understand that Mm. people are out there, you know, to help us. So how many mums have you helped now? Almost at 400. I think by the end of the by the end of the summer. Well, it depends. Let's see what happens over the summer. Almost at 400 families. Wow, that's amazing. And are they all in Barcelona? No, no, no. I work with families all over Spain, even outside of Spain. I've had families in London, Luxembourg, a lot, Germany, Italy. Um, A lot at the moment, I'd say the majority are in Barcelona, Madrid or Seville. But I also have the Canary Islands, Mallorca, Basque country. So do you check back with them, super nanny style? It depends. A lot of them I don't. I don't have continuing conversation with after two weeks Mm because my programs are two weeks long some of them if there's been some kind of you know instability in their in their situation sometimes I'll check back in with them and just make sure that everything's okay but the majority of them I don't speak to again can you tell me about a memorable client a memorable one of the most memorable was a client they had two-year-old twins mom was the worker so dad was like the stay-at-home dad and mom had the full-time job so she slept in the bedroom upstairs and dad slept during the night with the two twins in the lounge room so his sleep routine they had two beautiful bedrooms upstairs and the kids never slept in their crib upstairs they slept in travel cots downstairs in the lounge room (laughs) and the dad spent all night alternating between bottle feeding them trying to rock them back to sleep on the lounge he had the tv on most of the night as well and he said sometimes we just sit on the tv and sit on the lounge and watch the tv until they fall asleep again and then i try to put them back in the cribs and then so there was not a lot of um, healthy sleep habits going on. <laughs> no, that sounds, um, sounds difficult as yes, well. Yeah. <laughs> really difficult. So I was a bit astounded when I walked in there and saw this and thought, wow, they need a lot of help with organization <laughs> and... Um, being able to sleep in their own bed together. Teaching their kid. Yeah, exactly. Getting back to like a matrimonial yeah. situation and not being <laughs> slaves to the kids. Yeah. Um, and so that was... 
like I was really proud of being able to fix their situation mm. because they were really, really desperate. It made a big difference. It made a huge difference. Um, and I think I also, throughout the process, taught them a lot about, you know, what they needed to be like as parents, not, you know, like sometimes you have to be firm. You know, kids need limits. You have to be mm. strict. You need to have routines, you know, and sometimes parents let the How kids... How old were the kids? Two. Two years yeah. old. Two-year-old twins. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And they were kind of in charge, let's say. And that's never a good thing if you've got kids in charge of the family. What's the most common sleep problem that you come across? Babies not, babies, children in general, not being independent sleepers. So like I said before, that you need to be able to give them a kiss, say goodnight, and that they fall asleep by themselves ah, without okay. depending on you. So it's falling asleep by themselves. So yeah. it's that it's that age old thing that people say: put them down, awake, oh but God, drowsy. I hate that phrase. <laughs> that phrase makes me crazy. It's I tried true. it with my own kids. It doesn't work. Awake but drowsy. No, I don't agree with that at all. You have to put your kids in their bed awake, and they fall asleep by themselves. They have to be tired. I mean, you can't put a fully awake kid in bed and you know be like, okay, go to sleep now. But and you have to have a ritual. Like it's not going to happen the first day. You put your baby in the cot, especially if it's never slept there. It's not going to know what to do. Um, but that's why there's a process attached to it, and like yeah. teaching them and accompanying them through the through the training. Um, but Kids need to be able to or have confidence in their ability to fall asleep. I mean, we fall asleep by ourselves. Nobody's sitting at the end of my bed watching me fall asleep or patting me on the bum until I fall asleep. And kids are quite capable of learning how to do that um, with assistance, obviously, at the beginning. But until they've fallen asleep independently, then it's really, you know, it's quite common that there'll be night wake-ups. Can you break it down into steps, Hmm. how you get your child to go to bed awake and fall asleep themselves? It's a long process. I mean, there's so many factors. I always say it's like a puzzle because sleep is not just the putting your kid in the bed and it has to fall asleep. I mean, it's related to everything that's happening in their day. Uh, The whole sleep hygiene and sleep science, you have to make sure that the environment is correct. You have to make sure that they're stimulated. I mean, they're not overstimulated and overtired when they get to bed, so they have to be sleeping well during the day. It's all connected. So if they've slept badly during the day, it's more likely that they're going to sleep badly at nighttime. So you have to work on kind of everything all at the same time, and it's it's kind of frustrating. But then once you have in order an um, adequate routine, depending on the age of the child, so the routine should be adequate, the place should be consistent, the environment should be adequate so it depends you know on the month of the year and the climate and things like that um and then you know slowly adjust them to be able to sleep in the in the crib so it's not just like one day you put them in the crib walk away and that's it magic (laughs) happens if i had a magic wand i'd be even more popular probably than i am (laughs) but mm, unfortunately it's not easy it's a it's a bit of a process what do you actually do when you work with the family then? Mm. Do you, how do you do it? You don't have a magic wand, but mm. you, what do you provide for people that, that changes something mm. for them? So first doing like an overall study of what's happening in their family life. Because like I said, there's so many things that influence their sleep. Um, so I need to kind of understand all aspects of what's happening with this baby at the beginning, like feeding schedules, um, if they're going to nursery school, what are their timetables, um, 
what nighttime sleep looks like, what are their sleep associations, things like that. Then once I've figured out what the problems are or the things that should be changed, I give the family a plan. And I think that's one of the things that really helps with you know new parents is that they just don't know what to do and they're very unsure of themselves and like maybe you at the beginning you just tried different things every day yeah, and definitely. so you end up just confusing your kid because you're never consistent and yourself and yourself because <laughs> completely yeah. so I think having a plan like a written plan that says when this happens you have to do this and when this happens you have to do that it kind of gives parents a lot of confidence from the beginning mm. and you really need to have confidence to help your baby learn how to sleep um, it's like teaching any habit you know if you're teaching a baby how to eat with a spoon you don't you're not anxious about it you just do it yeah you know yeah. and you're confident it's teaching, isn't it? it's teaching it's teaching so you also have to be confident in teaching them how to sleep and that's one of the things that's really hard obviously at three in the morning it's very difficult to stay confident and cool calm and collected so I think once you have a plan that makes it a lot easier Okay, and um, obviously they can contact you at three o'clock in the morning if they're plan if the, if they don't believe in the plan or mm, they not necessarily. It no, <laughs> I do offer for some clients. I do offer that I stay the first night and I <gasps> wow. yeah I do sleepovers. In, wow, yeah. really? <laughs> Super nanny style. Wow. So I do like a sleepover, um, and I'll be there to kind of you know help them respond in the middle of the night or you know guide them a little bit. Um, but normally, I mean, they have the plan that's very clearly detailed, like what things you shouldn't shouldn't do. So we basically just speak in the morning um, after the first night and they've um, done all the hard work by themselves. <laughs> yeah. Good. And normally after the first day, they've, they've got some confidence? You know, or, I mean, in the majority of the cases. Or they just haven't slept all night. <laughs> no, that never happens. Like everybody thinks I'm going to be awake all night. My baby's not going to sleep. And that never happens because they need to sleep. And normally the first night goes better than the parents think at the beginning. Um, and then the second? And, and then the second night's even how better. How long does it last? Two or three nights are probably until you see like a really good pattern evolving. Yeah. Um, and that always happens? I'd say the, like 90% of the time. You know, there's, but like I said, there's so many factors. So if the parents are not consistent, if you've missed a sleep window, if you know oh accidentally the baby's fallen asleep on the breast again and you're trying to not let that happen there's different things that kind of influence in how the night's going to go what's the biggest mistake parents make i think here in spain honestly the biggest problem that people have here is putting their kids to bed early and so kids just get overtired and because that's a really big problem actually it's a big problem with my so the the actual timetable of people's lives here is mm. very very different yeah. to yours and mine yeah. from when we grew up mm-hmm. I'm from England mm. you're from Australia and I went to bed at mm. seven o'clock yeah for as long as yeah, I can yeah, remember yeah. when I was a child uh, I vaguely remember about 15 being allowed to stay up I remember late. I think I was yeah 12 or 13 or something and I remember having a, like a negotiation with my parents <laughs> to let me stay up till eight o'clock yeah or well, nine o'clock yeah. I remember at 15 yeah. I was allowed up till nine because there was something the tv yeah. probably yeah. <laughs> but uh but here that's really mm. really normal so do you still enforce the early early bedtime for local it's parents it's one of the keys to getting kids to sleep well so the biological clock is very sensitive with young children and even though there's light for the like for longer here 
Their, their biological clock and biologically kids need 11 or 12 hours of sleep at night time and the majority of kids wake up at 7 or 8 in the morning you can't get them to sleep until 10 I wish that would be amazing uh, but most kids are up by 7 or 8 yeah because ideally 9 to 9 would be perfect yeah, wouldn't would be it great but that I'd never that. happens no. you know and even if you put so this is one of the other errors that people think oh, I'll just put my kid to bed later and they'll sleep later you know and that doesn't necessarily work so it's I'm very much about bringing forward the bedtimes, getting them into bed at a reasonable hour. And it's all hormonal. Like our brains, the way that we sleep and the way that we wake, like our sleep-wake cycles, are all governed by hormones. So you have to kind of make the most of when the influx of those particular hormones are to get your babies to sleep. Right, okay, that makes sense. Sleep training is renowned for crying it out methods Mm. are there ways to do it without leaving your child to cry there's one thing that I always say about crying it out or the term leaving your child to cry um, which I don't agree with either but there's another part of it that's like your child most likely will cry when you're changing their sleeping habits so I, as a mother as well, am very much, I have to respond to this child because they need help, they need to get through this situation and they need somebody there with them. So the methods that I use are not cry it out methods in that you leave the baby alone in the room until they fall asleep. The majority of the times when you are sleep training, the baby will cry. But the way that I you know work with the family is to set everything up first so it's not just you're putting the baby in the bed and just sitting with them for hours until they fall asleep there's so many other things that need to be fixed first so you have your little pre-organization of what you have to do before you get to the evening routine Um, and then once you're changing those habits accept a little bit that it's likely that your child will be crying for the first couple of nights but support them you know through the changes and be there with them and guide them Mm -hmm. Um, it's very difficult I'd say to actually get to a stage where you could go through this process without your child crying and what would you say to people that say that it disturbs kids and it makes them unhappy in the long term or insecure or something? I mean, I don't know if, I, you know, I had a, my second child had colic, really bad colic, and she could cry for six hours a day for basically three weeks in a row and until the point where she lost her voice. And I thought if any kid can get through that and be absolutely fine afterwards, like crying just has, I mean, kids cry that's what they do um and you know we need to accept that we need to support them we need to be with them you know and respond to them you don't have to leave them and ignore them crying but it can't actually damage them going through a process of sleep training if it's done correctly if they've learned you know um, that you're there for them anyway it's not just you know that you've abandoned them to their bed you know for three days and you're never going back in there Um, And long term, the effects of sleep deprivation are worse than doing something like teaching them good, healthy sleep habits. Yeah, because I mean, it is teaching, isn't Mm. isn't it? And I mean, children, when you discipline them or you teach them in that way... They get upset. They mm. if you if you provide boundaries for mm. them, I suppose that, that teaching to sleep is mm. the same sort of thing. You're providing mm. you're providing an environment where they need to learn how mm. to sleep. That's exactly. certainly how I felt mm. with Oscar and mm. Sam. Now, mm. 
you can help people if people don't want to leave them crying. You can help people stay in the room and you can do step by step. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. How does that work? I have to talk to the parent first, support them and maybe make tweaks in the initial prepping to be able to do things a little bit more slowly. But personally, I think that the slower you do it, the worse for the child because there's more risk of failure because it's over a longer period of time. We've already talked about how hard it is to be consistent. Mm. Kids are very quick to learn new things, but if you're constantly changing something in their routine, so you change it for three days, okay? So the third day they've accepted it, and then at the fourth day you change something else. It's like starting from scratch almost. And so Mm. there are techniques of like doing sleep training over a very long period of time and very slowly, but I find they actually provoke more tears because you're never consistent in what you're doing you're constantly changing things um and so for me personally it's kind of just like ripping off the band-aid <laughs> yeah know? like that's what you said to us about oscar because we we had still had oscar in our bedroom hmm. and you said if you're going to sleep train you may as well put him in his room hmm. at the same time because hmm. it's all in one go yeah. he gets used to everything in hmm. one go and it'll take the same amount of time hmm. for him to get used to being in his room as it hmm. will to get used to sleeping hmm. So and that worked and we've mm. used that quite a few times with ev- mm. with everything pretty much mm. and you said I remember you said it takes 3 days to make mm. a routine mm-hmm. so if you think about that with everything mm-hmm. so if you're changing meal times you totally. know when you have two kids you have to change routine quite mm-hmm. a few times mm-hmm. I think because you have to try and align the routine all the yeah. time and then yeah. what time they eat mm. and what time they sleep bath time which yeah. I won't talk oh, about with everything. you <laughs> no, I always say it's like 3 days to make a habit but 3 days to break a habit Right. So if you so, start doing things, you know, differently for three days, you can quite easily create a new habit that is probably not. On that topic, can you tell me what steps you take to put your kids in bed? So, for example, your youngest, mm-hmm. what's their bedtime? Okay. So with Olivia, I and I do this with all my families with two kids, you always try to get the little one in bed first mm-hmm. and then you have more time with the older one. And quite often the older one can go to bed later. So, you know, you get the little one down and then you can deal with the routine. So with me, with Olivia, we do uh, dinner, a bath, and then we go into her room. Um, she's just stopped the night bottle. She was a year. I normally try to pull bottles at a year. Um, and so she now does dinner we do a bath we clean her teeth we go into her bedroom we read a couple of stories we sing a song I put her down she's got a little lovey that she picks up and she lies down and she goes to sleep then I leave and I go and have dinner with Maya and we organize her dinner we talk about her day I'm very strict in our house with no tv during the week so she's not allowed to watch tv while we're having dinner well we do that as well yeah no tv we yeah, have I think a film on sundays yeah exactly so i'm and that's another thing about being consistent and being strong in like you know and firm with making limits um and so maya knows that you know only on the weekends she's allowed to watch tv um and then we do a bath or a shower sometimes even a shower now and the same thing so after the shower clean teeth dry her hair go and read a couple of books sing a song give her a kiss and leave and she goes to sleep by herself 
Yeah, fantastic. They're pretty much exactly the same as mine. I, I find that I know it sounds crazy, but I do feel I do think that if your baby can giggle and be happy to be in their bed, mm. it's the most amazing mm. thing to put your baby totally. to bed when they, and you know they're happy yeah. to be there. And you've taught them that it's a safe space, that they've got nothing to fear, that you know they enjoy, they should enjoy sleeping and want to go to sleep when yeah. they're tired, not fight and resist going to sleep. What would you say to people that say um, it doesn't work for everyone? I find it very hard to believe. Most children want to sleep. I'd say all children want to sleep. And it's part of a, you know, a physiological need. It's not, you know, like we're teaching them how to play the piano. And so maybe some of them would not be good at it. <laughs> I think most kids will learn how to sleep if you do it correctly sleep training may not be for everyone that's true it doesn't mean that not every kid could learn how to sleep it just means that maybe not every parent would be able to do it or that want to Mm. you know do it in that way yeah and that's fine you don't have to feel pressured into sleep training but I always say um if somebody's not sleeping why not look for a solution you know or try to make things easier so if there's a desperate mommy or daddy at home right now who thinks they'll never go out at night again, they will not, they're not going to sleep more than a few hours at night. That's what they all, people always talk mm. about when they talk about being a parent. You're, not, you're just not going to sleep. Mm. And, they, and they're struggling with the daytimes. Their child never naps unless they're in a buggy or a mm. car or something. What would you say to them? Look for help. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to survive through you know not sleeping or having an irregular routine kids are or all of us as humans are kind of creatures of routine and children young children especially really need that um and so there are solutions to to these problems you don't have to you know survive let's say the first years of childhood so find help so if someone like yourself can help mm-hmm. and you would create the routine mm-hmm. and stick with them for a couple of weeks to help them help exactly. them out okay I have now got some real problems Mm -hmm. from some mummies. They said, what's the ideal way to move your baby into their own room? The ideal way? Yeah. Do it and be consistent. (laughs) I mean, like I said before, you can't really do things step by step I mean what are you going to do sleep in the hallway on the way down the <laughs> I mean you either do it you either sleep with your kid or you put them in their bed in their room to sleep and once you've made the decision you stick with it and you need at least three days and you know and... so if they start protesting on like the second night mm. if you bring them back into your room back into the Moses or your bed mm. or whatever you think that that's going to break is regressing them again. So you've, well, it's just you've confusing stepped. them because <laughs> yeah. you've done it for two days and then on the third day you change all of the rules. That's the mm. consistent thing you're yeah. saying as well is be consistent. Be consistent. Okay, fantastic. Another mum from Badalona said, how can you sleep train a second child when they have to share rooms with the first? Oh, this is tricky. This is one of my toughest things to deal with at the moment is dealing with second children and where do you put them? Because quite often the second child will have a different routine and sleep routine to the oldest child. And it depends very much on the age difference, uh, how I do it. Quite often parents are con- you know, concerned that if we sleep train the second baby, then the first one's going to be woken up in the middle of the night and that kind of puts them off and they kind of wait too long. And I always say, you just have to do it. So one of the biggest solutions, I'll give you some free tips here now. One of the biggest things Yay. that I find um, is get rid of the older kid for a while. 
<laughs> just send them to grandma's house. Uh, this you know, is where you just need for grandma. a couple of days. Yeah, and if you don't have grandma, then another thing is, you know, take them if you can take them somewhere, or even just have like a sleepover in the lounge room with the older kid for a couple of days. Make a tent, um, and you know, one parent stays with the older kid while the other parent sleep training the little one. And then once the little ones kind of got all the sleep skills and are doing, you know, full nights and things, then you can bring the big one back in. Yep, so you've got to have faith yes. that it's going to happen well, for a little yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, you have your, your yeah. toddler in the lounge for the rest of the time. Okay, sorry, guys. <laughs> Can you tell us the tricks for maintaining routines when on holiday or traveling? Uh, be consistent. <laughs> you can kind of have, I say, about an hour margin on timetables for kids in summer. So if your kid's normally in bed by seven, I'd say by eight you know you can't push them more than an hour because they're too little you know it's nice in Spain because we have the climate and the weather and it's always sunny sometimes even and I find this with clients especially in the south of Spain that it's really hot at 7 p.m like they just physically can't put their kids to bed at that time of night because it's just still really hot Um, so I say there's kind of you know you've got an extra hour so try not to push them too much Um, and try to stay as consistent as possible recreate their home environment when you go on holidays so that they have their own sleeping space their own bed if they've got a little lovey make sure you take it with you try to recreate you know bath time and all of the steps involved to putting your kid into bed so that they recognize what they have to do even if they're in a new a new place and expect that the first night there might be some you know awakenings because they're not in their normal bed so it's more likely that they wake up in the middle of the night and kind of where am I yeah in one of their sleep cycles or something yeah okay can you do anything to help sleep from birth I mean you can't sleep train them because they don't have any um, sleep patterns Mm. up until around four months this question is from is from a mum who's pregnant okay so it's not so much a problem it's just something that she's aware that she wants it to be okay. easier down the line. Okay. So where so is there anything that she can do in advance? Yeah, so like, make sure that with a newborn baby, even though they're not going to have any um, set patterns in the way that they sleep, so that means that they could be having a nap of three hours and then followed by a nap of half an hour and then up various times throughout the night. Um, but with a newborn baby, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is that they don't stay awake for more than an hour at a time. And that's um, generally a lot of babies naturally kind of fall into that pattern. So they wake up, they have a feed, they get their nappy change and they go back to sleep. Um, but some babies are a little oh, bit those more... days. I know. <laughs> <laughs> some babies that are a little bit more wired and a little bit more switched on really find it difficult to shut down again. And so if you've got a newborn baby that's awake for hours and hours and hours at a time, I'd say that there's something definitely that needs to be fixed because what happens if they spend too much time awake, there's too much stimulus, their brain's getting wired, overstimulated, they can't fall asleep and then you fall into this cycle of overtired screaming baby not being able to sleep. Yeah, okay. So keep an eye on the wake on the awake times and that changes as they get older it does so every couple of months you should be able to extend the awake time so by six months they can do between two and three hours awake 
and then by 12 months they can do between four and five hours a week so it you know it, it does extend in the first year but you have to keep up with it you know that's one of the the crazy things about sleep is that it's constantly evolving and do you have a list of awake times for different ages I do. they can download that on my website there's a, a guide um, for up to the first four years of life what my t- timetables my recommended timetables are okay great i'll add your website mm. on the show notes how do you get a three-year-old to go to bed by himself without crying it depends if that three-year-old's been able to do it before assume not <laughs> <laughs> then it's a bit trickier um so it's not like sleep training a six month old you know obviously by three years old they're much more independent they can negotiate and they're very good at negotiating <laughs> you know one more kiss mummy mm-hmm. one more book mummy i call that spinning it out yeah i need get a to lot do a wee wee um those types of things so again here it's about limits um being very clear with your child what you expect from them and just not putting up with any of their bollocks basically yeah <laughs> it's bedtime good night yeah um without crying again mm, difficult because they know how to use the crying against you a little bit mm. too and they don't want to do i'd say assist falling asleep at the beginning but gradually try to make that child independent in falling asleep so that they're not you know I don't suggest with a three-year-old that you get into bed with them and you lie down next to them because then they're always going to be depending on you to be there and when they wake up in the middle of the night they're going to want you back in there but a lovey for example a comforter because like I know Oscar has one and Mm. Sam's just completely got attached Mm. in the last month to one which is really great um and so if you don't have one for a three-year-old is Mm. introducing one at that age too late no you can definitely introduce it but again you have to be consistent so you know really make sure yeah exactly motivation a three-year-old needs a lot of motivation to do what you want them to do um sticker charts again people have you know controversy over whether using sticker charts is a good or a bad thing i find it really helps with three-year-olds rewards sometimes. of rewards, some sort exactly yeah. not so you chocolate did this, exactly <laughs> not not sugar and not tv hopefully. yeah um but something that they're interested in to get them motivated you know telling them you know they're a big boy now or a big girl now and you know giving them a bit of responsibility but a bit of motivation yeah on that note, how do you get rid of a comforter? <laughs> and at what age do you do that? I don't know if you need to. Generally, it happens naturally. Yeah. I mean, I have met my niece, actually, up until seven. She had a little tiny, I think it started out as a big blankie and it ended up as this tiny little thing. <laughs> and up until around seven, she carried this thing around with her. Um, but I'd say normally before that, they just get over them. And if they don't, it doesn't matter. Mm. I mean... Why not? I mean, who, who, it's not harming anyone if we, they've got a lovey or a comforter to sleep with. I slept with my teddy bear until I got married, basically. We've just had to reduce Oscar's usage. Mm, okay. Because he, it went when we had Sam, mm. it went from being in bed mm. to being all the time. Uh, okay. And so recently Sam's older mm. and Oscar's started to, you know, completely potty train now and mm. things like that. So we thought we, it was the right stage mm. to start saying no we just use him for sleep again well i'd always have that limit yeah this lovey stays in your bed yeah you know it's not for bringing out into the lounge room and Mm. having another moment of the day it's for siesta 
or it's for every time he bed. falls over he asks for uh, it okay. every it's got a all real comfort dependency. yeah yeah okay. pretty much happened yeah. around the pregnancy and the, okay. and the birth time yeah. for sam and now because sam bad mummy error on my part i use the same comforter ah, both of them not really a good idea, bad idea. <laughs> because now whenever oscar sees sam with it he wants his and whenever Sam falls over, which mm. is a lot at 10 mm. months when mm. they're trying to walk, he goes to get Sam's oh and no. gives it to him. Yeah. So I've really got yeah. to stick to the bedtime only. So yeah. that's definitely yeah, a that's fail a good on tip my part. for everyone. If you're <laughs> introducing use... lovies, don't use the same one. I just have 20 of yeah. them. So I just thought I can't yeah. go out and go no. and buy another one. It yeah. was a it was a last minute decision mm. when when he's, yeah. when they start playing with their hands, mm-hmm. you know, and they mm. itching their face and things. Mm. I was like, oh, we need a lovey. Just throw that in. Yeah. Bad error. <laughs> error, error, error. Do your children sleep well? Yeah, most of the time. I mean, this is the thing. Kids are not robots. So, yeah, I'd say 90% of the time my kids sleep well. But they get sick. And then occasionally they don't sleep so well. Um, they get overstimulated sometimes. They don't sleep so well. It's more difficult with age, I find. Like, you know, once they're independent, they can get out of bed and come and find you in the middle of the night. Again, you have to be consistent with marching them back into their room and putting them back in their bed. Like if if you in one of those middle of the night, you know, visits, take your child and put them into bed with you, it's more likely that they'll keep doing that. My husband always says, "Let's have a sleepover." Oh. And I say, "It's like my worst nightmare." You can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll go in his bed. It's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> I'm like, I hate everyone in my bed. It's, I even I hate my husband being there sometimes. I just need my own space. Yeah, um, I'm not. This depends on the person, doesn't it? It depends. On but the what you're saying is, but is it, if you is the consistency again? Yeah. So when Maya wakes up in the night, it's mm. very different to Olivia when Olivia mm. wakes up. When Olivia wakes up, what is it that you actually do? Okay, so if Olivia, so she's one. Quite often, I hear her in between sleep cycles making noises because children don't sleep silently like adults either. So sometimes I hear like a little yell or a little cry or a little mumble. Um, And basically at that moment I wait. I don't go in there until I know that she's actually really awake. So I'd say put a limit on, you know, you don't have to respond to every single noise that kids make in the middle of the night. They're quite capable of even having a coughing fit and then going back to sleep. They don't need your assistance. Um, But if Olivia wakes up and she's awake, you know, firstly, I'd be like, oh, maybe there's something wrong because she doesn't normally wake up. So I'd definitely go in there, check that she doesn't have a fever or maybe that she's got a dirty nappy. Do you pick her up? Um, Depends. Sometimes I pick her up if I need to, or if I need to give her some medicine or if I just want to calm her down a little bit, give her a cuddle. And generally, Olivia's quite good because we'll have a cuddle, she'll start calming down and then she'll just push me away because she wants to go back to bed and she's tired. Um, But sometimes, I mean, the key here is that I put her back in her bed awake. You know, you can even repeat like a nighttime song. So sing a song a couple of times so she knows that that's a good night song. So I personally, I have a good night song and we say good night to everybody and we say good night to everybody in the room. And she even waves occasionally. And so she knows that I do that right before I put her in bed. So I might even sing that song again, even if it's three o'clock in the morning, you know, I'll sing the song. So she associates that with, okay, I still need to go to sleep. And I put her back in bed and I leave the room. And it could be that she starts to cry for a couple of minutes after that. Um, but generally in a few minutes, she's resettled and gone back to sleep and you don't need to, to stay there. 
And I think that's the key with nighttime wakings. Of course, you can respond to your kids in the middle of the night. You don't have to be afraid of going into their room. But you need to also be aware of like going backwards. Like if you've taught them to be an independent sleeper and then all of a sudden you're putting them to sleep again in the middle of the night, it could provoke more night wake-ups and make things difficult Mm. further down the track. So it's important to be consistent with that as well. Check on them, give them a cuddle, medicate, whatever you need to do, and then leave them to go back to sleep by themselves. How was your pregnancy with Maya and Olivia? I was lucky, actually. I had two really great pregnancies. I I was... Healthy. Healthy. Maybe blooming. not fit, but... <laughs> I'm never fit. But, like, um, glowing, enjoyed it, wore all yeah. the pregnancy, I just didn't have any problems. I was a bit uncomfortable, well, t- obviously, towards <laughs> the end of both pregnancies, Olivia more so. I think you notice the second one a lot more than Much the first lower. one. Yeah, lower. There's, uh, there was some sciatic pain there for a while. But in terms of the pregnancy, I really enjoyed being pregnant. Like I really, I loved that feeling and breastfeeding as well. And, you know, I did two natural births. They weren't home births, but they were both very different, but, you know, both natural. Um, and the hospital, I really loved the San Juan de Deo. Oh, you uh, did that San Juan de Dios, yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in Esplugas, it's a really good hospital. It's public. Um, anyone can go there. You just ask for a um, referral from your, from your gynecologist. They've got a really great team. They're really pro-natural birthing, if that's what you're into. So and did you have any pain relief? No, nothing. No. no. With Maya, it was a very long birth. It was the first one. It was long. It was obviously very painful. How she long? got, like, I think I was in, it was around 40 hours in total. But I think the whole, like, in the actual natural birthing suite, we were there from around 2 a.m. to 5 p.m. Just trying to get her out. So what's that? 2 a.m.? Yeah, to 5 5 p.m. She was born at 5 p.m. 15 hours? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, And she was stuck. She got stuck in the cervix. So there was a lot of, like, moving around and trying to get me into other positions. And, you know, as a first birth, your body's not really prepared. And you did all of that with no pain relief. I did all of that with no pain relief. Well done. And then with Olivia, I was... Olivia was, like, the perfect birth because part of Maya's birth, I was so desperately tired and I was just exhausted that I wasn't enjoying it at all. And with Olivia, I actually enjoyed the whole thing. It was, you know, I thought I was quite on top of everything. I was really good with my breathing, with the positions. She came out way faster than <laughs> than Maya. How um, many hours for Olivia? I was in the birthing room for 15 minutes. What? Yeah. So how many hours in total? When did you start from start um, labor till So she I'd came gone out? out. We'd gone out for like a last minutes. Yeah, we'd gone out for our anniversary dinner actually before Olivia was born. And it was supposed to be our anniversary dinner and then my husband the day before we were going out said, "Oh, a friends in town and he's organized a dinner with he lives in Madrid. He's organized a dinner with all of our friends. Do you mind if our anniversary dinner turns into catching up with our friends?" And I was a bit pissed at the beginning, <laughs> but then I was like, "Okay, whatever. Let's do it because we haven't seen them for a while." And and we're about to have a baby so and in the afternoon I'd felt a couple of twinges you know and I was like oh something's happening but she wasn't due for another week and so I thought well maybe you know this could just go on for a while and so we'd gone to the dinner and I remember sitting at the dinner and just not being hungry and going oh that's weird mm, yeah it's weird when you're pregnant <laughs> yeah and then and then every so often I'd have to kind of lean back in my seat and I'd have kind of like I guess what was a contraction yeah. but they were so different to the contractions that I'd had with Maya so I didn't even recognize it as a contraction and then at the end of the dinner Tony was like do you want to go to the hospital and I said well let's go home first pick up the bags 
and then we'll go to the hospital and on the way home they turned into real contractions and I got home and he's like okay well, come on let's get the bag and let's go and I was like I just want to have a shower because I was all made up I had makeup on I'm like I'm not gonna work walk into a birthing suite like with all my makeup and so I had a shower why, why not that would be I don't great. know <laughs> I don't know I just had it in my mind I was like I need to take off my makeup <laughs> didn't need to be natural yeah, I <laughs> what weird thing was going through my head at that point um and I remember being in the shower like on my hands and knees going okay these are real contractions and my parents were on your here. hands and knees oh, yeah oh my and God, then Tony's like we're not even gonna make it to the hospital can you hurry up and I was like all right and like threw some clothes on and and went and I remember being in the car like with in serious contractions in the car it was like every minute and saying you know I'm just gonna ask for an epidural because I can't do this again like with Maya it just took so long so I was expecting it would be the same with Olivia and I was like I cannot do this I'm so uncomfortable and he dropped me because it was just the two of us he literally dropped me at the hospital and he went to park and I remember walking in I had a massive contraction in the entranceway like in the reception and kind of yelled at the woman they sent out a wheelchair they put me in the wheelchair I went straight into the birthing room and in like two contractions more she was there did your husband get there yeah just just and the doula like just really like, she was there for like the last contraction so you had a doula yeah i had yeah. vicky yeah. for for olivia's birth i had vicky a doula for both gonzalez yeah exactly. same as me yeah nice and um she's amazing yeah um i probably didn't give her very much notice to get to the hospital <laughs> she was like that was the easiest birth i've ever had to do <laughs> mine was pretty yeah. quick too um but no vicky's i think vicky's just an angel i recommend her for everybody who's so here as like yeah. a foreign family if you don't have you know support or help or your english is um or lacking your, yeah like your spanish, <laughs> no, spanish is lacking. your spanish is lacking and you only speak Ooh, english mm. um she's yeah she's just fantastic you'd, you'd recommend her to everyone mm-hmm. or a doula mm-hmm. have someone there to mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. with the breathing and, mm-hmm. and to help you mm-hmm. stay stay in the moment focused yeah focus yeah. exactly it's definitely what she did for mm-hmm. me can you tell me products that you would recommend either yourself or as a sleep consultant for when pregnant or as a new parent um as a pregnant lady i really love that bio oil Oh, yeah. Um, for the stretch marks and the, you know, I just felt so dehydrated. I think the whole time I was pregnant, I was drinking a lot of water. And the bio oil, I was just constantly massaging. And did you get belly stretch marks? No. Well, I didn't get out. Well, there's a good yeah. I don't know if it's the oil, but <laughs> let's say it is. That's really good. Anything else? Um, so then definitely like once you've had a baby and for newborns I totally recommend a white noise app on your phone or tablet or anything and just constantly leave white noise around is it wrong that I still have white noise in my room and I don't have any babies in there (laughs) (laughs) no but I actually was really excited that it's summer again and I can put the fan back on and have white noise in my room I sleep so much better so much better my husband woke up this morning at four o'clock and went turn that fucking fan off I can't sleep and I was like what I love it. Yeah, I love the me noise. Too. I really I'm, like white I noise. Honestly, have my white noise on yeah. app every night, it's great. even without children. Yeah. Both my boys. No, Oscar doesn't have white noise anymore, but Sam does. Yeah, Olivia still sleeps with her, and she's thirteen months. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. So tell me, Amelia, which was a better experience for you personally, going from zero to one ch- child, or one to two children? You know what was surprising for me, because I had a really good relationship with my first daughter, and obviously you do, Um, and 
And I really thought that I wouldn't be able to love the second one as much. And I remember saying that to my husband, like, okay, we're going to have another baby, but I'm pretty sure, like, we're never going to love her as much as we love It's terrible, isn't it? I really felt that. Like, I was convinced, because I was convinced. I was like, there's no way I can feel the same thing that I feel for Maya for this baby. And it just, it's incredible with your Mm. second kid, like, how you can love them as much or more as you know i just don't understand what happens to your heart and your emotions and that it's everything crazy, can it? just duplicate i someone said to me once that before you have children love is very quantifiable you mm. can say i have it or mm. i don't have it mm. i've fallen out of it mm. and 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 then you have kids and it's not quantifiable anymore mm. it's just Constant. endless it's yeah. like completely mm. endless mm. and a friend of mine said once you've had to you understand that it can just you can just keep yeah. going. Not, yeah. not that I'm not, going, no, to. No, 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 going to. Either. Are you going to have any more? No, not no, going to have any more. That's it. Not. I'm done with two. Um, I would like to have a little boy, but no, I think. You work really hard. How do you manage now your home work life balance? It's you... becoming much more difficult. Much more difficult. I set up my own business because I wanted to be basically a work from home mum. So I wanted to be around, I wanted to be involved, I wanted to have control, I guess, of what was happening. Um, And very quickly came to realise that working means working. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so now it's, I find it a lot more difficult to be around. It's good, I guess, because Maya's in full-time school. Um, But I'm really struggling with Olivia because I feel like I've spent so much time working that I don't have as much time for her as I did for my end, mm. so I've got that whole guilt trip. Oh, terrible. I know. Mother guilt. Mum guilt. It's awful. It's awful. And, and and with your second, I think it's like multiplied tenfold. Yeah, because yeah. you're comparing all the time. It's like, he's not to. getting what he used to yeah, get. She's, totally. uh, you know, he's yeah. not getting what he used to yeah. get. And it's endless guilt. But I'm always trying to remind myself, she doesn't know any different. Yeah. So I can't compare it because she doesn't know any different. This is her life. This is her reality. So I think that mum guilt... Yeah, it's just not. It's just mum. It's just it's mum. Not, it's not something they, it's not they understand something that they understand and, yeah, at all. Yeah. I agree. But it's it's challenging at the moment trying to, you know... Um, What's the biggest challenge, mom. would you say? Um, time organisation, hmm. you know. Yeah, I'm working at night, I'm working all day, <laughs> I'm working all the time. Um, and just trying to find, yeah, the work-life balance. I'm really needing to, yeah, find a better way to do it, I guess. What do you love most about being a sleep consultant? I think for me, the most beneficial thing is seeing the end of, you know, like a desperate family who gets absolutely no sleep and the baby's cranky and everybody's cranky. And then two weeks, it seems like such a short period of time. And then all of a sudden, everybody's happy and well rested. It's just so, it's such a nice feeling to have been able to be, you know, such a big part in in this family's development development this must be very rewarding yeah yeah. and also being able to help guide the parents a little bit in in maybe sharing the responsibilities because a lot of the time I find that mum without being gender specific that (laughs) mum is quite often the person that's in charge of you know sleep time and bed and all of those things um and I work very closely with getting dads involved in that as well and so that they're able to share and I think that's a really nice way of getting mums to give mums a break and getting dads involved a little bit more and that's such a great thing for me to see 
Thank you so much for coming today and recording with us. And I am more than grateful for your contribution to my family and my <laughs> life here. So I do hope that people will take it on board and understand the consistency, mm. which is the main mes- mm, message, yes. I think, and the yeah. routine. Yeah. And if they do have problems and they have any real feeling of um, desperation mm. or, or just unhappy with the way it's panning out for mm. them I think that they should get in touch with you or any other good sleep consultant <laughs> it was it is a fantastic way to change your your feeling towards mm. your children your mm. life and everything else to do with parenting becomes mm. a little bit easier easier because you have patience and you're well rested yeah yeah yes. everything becomes a little mm. bit easier when you have sleep mm. so thank you so so much you're and welcome. it's been an absolute pleasure thank you that was the interview thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it and if you did subscribe on itunes for all future episodes all the links for amelia and all of her recommendations can be found on omotherbarcelona.com follow us and get involved on instagram and facebook at omotherbarcelona and again thank you so much for listening i hope you have a fantastic day